0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of Hooked on Homeschool. Well, happy new year. Happy 2024. We just closed out 2023. I hope everybody had a great year. If you didn't, just let's wave goodbye to it. If you did, let's go ahead and finish the year out strong because we are uh, halfway there. We are halfway till the end of the school year or whatever that looks like to you. If you do homeschooling during the summer, maybe new year is just like a, a fresh time to refresh everything and see what you've accomplished, what you're going to do. I hope everybody had a great Christmas and and had fun with the kiddos, playing with all the fun things that all the kiddos like to play with. Do you do Elf on a Shelf? That's always fun, but you got to remember to like move the elf, right? Just all the Christmas festivities, the holidays, and oh, sometimes it could be so good to just go into a new year refreshed and feeling like you got a couple goals you wanna overcome, right? You got a couple goals and hurdles you wanna you wanna overcome and and get through and and power through and make sure your kids are really doing what they're supposed to be doing and you're on track. And if you're not on track, it's kind of like a, a great start to get on track. So I'm excited because today we are going to introduce my first guest. Her name is Chris. She is an amazing mom of six kids. And what makes her amazing is she also works as a professor. She has a PhD in psychology. So she's gonna go over not only her homeschooling journey with her children, but also she's got some kids that are homeschooled in her class versus public school kids, and also what her colleagues think of her as a homeschool parent and also a professor. So we're really gonna get into this really good episode. So I'm really excited to share it with you guys. Again, Happy New Year. We're off to a new start, 2024. We are ready and excited. Hi friends, are you ready to homeschool but you're just not sure how to begin? Do you feel overwhelmed or frustrated with the public school and noticing that your child is constantly struggling or falling behind? Are you ready to say goodbye to that hectic and stressful weekday schedule and embrace a completely different approach? Do you find that your child is exhausted from those long days at school, followed by hours of homework at night? And are you constantly experiencing stress and overwhelm as a result? I'm here to share some great news with you. There is a better way, and it's called homeschooling. Experience quiet and peaceful mornings again. How about instilling a sense of joy and excitement for learning in your child. Witness their true passions unfold as you go on this fulfilling journey together. Welcome to Hooked on Homeschool. I am Dawn Janowitz, a homeschool mom, wife, podcaster, and online course creator. And I want to give you the clarity, the confidence, the freedom, and all the strategies to show you that it is possible to create an amazing homeschool experience that works for both you and your kids. So come on, ladies, let's go from Hot Mess Express to Fierce and Fun, and let's get hooked on homeschool. hi Chris how are you today I'm good how are you I am good I'm good I'm so excited that you're here today because I really think that you are going to have some really great things to help some new moms some moms uh, new homeschool moms that are ready to homeschool they haven't quite decided to homeschool yet and they're still kind of wondering if they should homeschool so I think you're gonna share a lot of really good stuff today so I'm excited So the first question I'm going to ask you is, what was your ultimate reason wanting to homeschool?
1: Well, there's multiple, multiple reasons. Part of it was we saw some things that were taking place in my daughter's school system, especially in some of her classes. And at the same time, I was about to graduate and take a position somewhere else. And we weren't really sure where we were going to end up. So we decided to homeschool. It was supposed to be just temporary. And that was in 2010. And we just kept doing it. And that was actually the second time we had homeschooled. So the second time we just stuck with it.
0: And so you had just a couple kids then. When
1: we first started homeschooling, we had five children. And I was homeschooling the older two. The first year, my oldest daughter was in sixth grade that year. And then my second one, he was in first grade. So both of them... You know, my daughter had went to public school off and on because we had tried homeschooling once before. And then my son went to kindergarten in public school. And then that that was it.
0: And so why did you decide to bring them all home? And now you're just completely homeschooling them all?
1: Yeah, we just kept doing it. So the first year was kind of bumpy. Some of the experiences, you know, that my daughter had in fifth grade that year were kind of hard to get over. And then once we, we got settled and stuff, I did. I made an appointment to, to tour the public school that my two older ones at the time would have went to. And I just didn't show up. <laughs> I didn't go. Um, <laughs> oh I was just like, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to have to. I mean, I could make a list, but there's just a bunch of stuff within the public school system that I didn't want to do. And we had kind of... That was the end of our first year, you know, or, you know, first, I guess, full year, we had kind of found our groove, you know, there's a lot of perks to homeschooling that we wouldn't have
0: if I had put them back in public school. So what are, you had said that there were some things in the school that you did not like, what were some of those things?
1: Some of them were things that, that happened with my daughter. I can give like a couple examples. So we were in Miami at the time. Just one example, she was doing a, it was like an after school dance class. So she would stay after school a couple of days a week and, and do the dance class at the school. And they were working on kind of like a what would be a recital for the class. And she came home one day and asked if she could practice the dance at home. And I said, sure. So she looked up the song that they were going to dance to on YouTube. And it was not a song that I would have chosen for, a young girl to listen to. It was explicit. It had explicit lyrics. She knew all the words. There was a lot of cussing and there was, you know, some stuff in there that I didn't think was okay. So I went to the school the next day and asked him about the song, <laughs> you know, why, and it's not even the clean version, you know, it's not even, it could have been just the music part, but it wasn't. So that didn't go over very well.
0: Because they wanted to keep the song. They were okay with the song.
1: They did want to keep the song. They changed it at the last minute. And what ended up happening is when they did the recital, this, the dance, you know, didn't match the new song and the dance was messed up. And and after that, you know, my daughter got blamed because I was the mean parent who went to the school and asked basically, why are you, why are you having girls, young girls dance to a very sexualized song with explicit lyrics and these kids were in elementary school
0: that's just awful so i can totally see why you pulled your child out and right at the end of what you were saying just before you said there's a lot of perks with homeschooling so what have you discovered have been all of the perks one of the main perks is we don't have to get up
1: early so (laughs) we don't have to get up early that's a big one it is a big one So we don't have to do that. I don't have to deal with car lines for drop-off and pickup. I don't have to deal with school buses. I don't have to deal with having to talk with a teacher for each class, for each kid. I mean, if if, if all of them were in public school, at once that's like 36 teachers I'd have to juggle. At the schools, I think the environment itself can be pretty toxic. It doesn't mean that they all are, but there's a lot of bullying in schools. Not just from peers, but also from teachers and administrators. At least that was our experience. They, I mean they they count how many days you miss. I mean,
0: it's, the, the list could just go on and on. And people always wonder, like, if you have the more kids you have, they always think it's actually easier to send them to school. But it's actually easier to homeschool the more kids you have because you know exactly what your child is doing everything that they're doing and they ask you questions and you don't have all this other external opinions and things you have to keep up with. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, if I, if all of my went, if all of, if all six of them went to public school at the same time, I would have had to went to like three different schools, right. Elementary, middle, and then high school dealt with all the teachers. That's, that's a lot of teachers.
0: That's a lot. And a lot of schools. And it's amazing. People will do that. And i I won't either, and but people do it and they think that's just the way it is. So you actually have a very unique situation because a lot of the moms that I do talk to, most of them I would say stay home, and you don't. You actually have a few different college degrees. You're very educated, you're a professor, and you're homeschooling. So it's kind of interesting because many people think that if you're in the public school system or teaching, you teach out a college that school is the way to go. So kind of explain how you benefited from, you, you were public schooled, right? You were in public school. Okay, so you benefited from going to public school, but now you've chosen to homeschool your children. So tell us about you know, how that works.
1: First, I, I wanna just, just make a note. So yes, I'm a professor. I'm in the psychology department. I love my job. I love what I do. I know multiple professors who also homeschool. I can think four or five other professors from just my department that homeschool their kids or have homeschooled their kids, right? So it's interesting because these are all people who, but I don't know if they were all public schooled. but these are all people who went to college and got degrees and stuff and in similar fields as mine. And then we all made the same decision to keep our kids home for different reasons, I'm sure. So That's very interesting. You could probably do a whole, you know, a whole segment just on something like that. So as far as like working or or, and homeschooling at the same time, I actually started homeschooling the last year that I was in graduate school. Um, That's when we started doing it. And then I graduated with my Ph.D. in December of 2010. And then um, so we were homeschooling and then I took the position I currently have the following year in the fall of 2011 so when i took the position we were already homeschooling we'd been doing it for a little bit and then we just did it and our schedule fluctuated so sometimes i i would like pick out the schoolwork my kids needed to do my husband would make sure that it got done if i had to you know be out of the house Sometimes we do schoolwork on the weekends, sometimes, actually, a lot of times we do schoolwork in the summer. You know, we just kind of, it's just what we do at this point. It's not, it's not really separated because
0: we've been doing it so long. So school is just like part of life. You just kind of, you do the year round schooling and it's, it's, you're, you're constantly learning. You don't have to be sitting at a table opening books and making it that specific time? Because one of your big things is you don't want your, your school day to look like public school. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: So our school day looks absolutely nothing like public school. Some days, no one wants to do school. So we just don't. We just we just don't want to. Usually because now I have a bunch of teens. So I should probably preface this with that. So now usually how it works is I try to get them up between nine and 10. We don't get up early. By the time they eat breakfast and maybe do some chores and stuff, a lot of times we don't even start anything school-ish related until 11 or 12 and sometimes, you know, even later than that. It takes us about three, maybe four hours, you know, to do their stuff. You know, I mean, that's just, you know, I've seen a lot of like posts and I've seen TikToks and stuff where... Moms will be like, oh, homeschooling is wonderful, and here's our homeschool room, and here's our, our schedule, and a lot of it looks like they're just duplicating the public school classroom and the schedule. I mean, they'll even have, like, you know, like the alphabet border along the ceiling and stuff like that. You don't need any of that because, I mean, my kids, if they want to go... Yeah, you don't want it to look like school. no not at all i mean my kids have i have a daughter who used to ask if she could go outside and you know climb a tree and take whatever book she was reading with her you can go outside and i don't i don't care as long as it gets done i don't care when you do it or how you do it and there's been multiple times where i've allowed my kids so let's say that bedtime is like 10 o'clock right and then they stay up past their bedtime and when I go in their room to say, hey, go to bed, I see that they're doing what I would consider schoolwork. So maybe it's like a novel that they were reading for their language arts class. They're up late reading it or maybe they're doing math or maybe they're doing science, whatever it is. If, if that happens, if I go in there and they're doing, I just let them do it. I'm not going to tell them stop and go to bed. No, you're, you're doing it right and it and they like it at that time we don't have to get up super early the next day so it's not we don't need to do that
0: yeah that's really good so what are some of the things that you have heard over the years when people say oh my goodness you know you homeschool six children first go ahead and tell us how old your children are and then tell us some of the things that you've been asked over the years especially being a college professor maybe some of the other people at school that don't homeschool or just in general when you're out and about with your six kids during the school day?
1: So the youngest one is nine, and she's in fourth grade um, this year. And then I have two that are in high school. One is 14. The next one is about to turn 16. And then my next one, he's 17. He would be a senior. He's a senior this year, but he's doing dual enrollment. So technically he's still homeschooled. I haven't graduated him yet, but I'm not like, I, I, I help him pick out his classes and and that type of thing, but I'm not in charge of like teaching him all of his courses at this point. I'm, I feel like for him, like once they start dual enrollment, I feel more like, like my role is to guide them and what they want to do and what classes to take. And I feel, grateful that i can do that for my kids because i was the first person in my family to go to college so i didn't have you know someone there to kind of say this is how you send an email to your professor this is how you pick your classes this is how you look at the schedule i didn't have that but they do so he's doing dual enrollment the next one also did dual enrollment and he's now in college so he's you know officially graduated and then the oldest one also did dual enrollment, finished and got her bachelor's degree. And now she is in graduate school. So I guess we're still homeschooling college, kind of. Is she still living at home? Yeah. Yeah,
0: she is. Yeah. Okay. Does she help out with the little ones? Will she help you out with the homeschooling? or? Um, Sometimes because she works part time too. So she works
1: part time and she goes to, you know, she's in grad school. So I don't really have her help with the academic stuff, you know, so like if the youngest one needs to read a chapter, the oldest one doesn't really help uh, with that. But I do like to use her as a taxi. So if someone (laughs) has a place I need to go to and she's not working that day, she can play taxi.
0: Absolutely. Because I'm sure you've done it for her many times. Yeah, go ahead and tell us so some of the the comments you've heard over the past and and how that makes you feel And, and someone that's like brand new to homeschooling that their family isn't on board and they're just really struggling. So most of the comments
1: that that were negative were things that we would hear, especially prior to COVID. So since COVID, the landscape has shifted and some of the stereotypes, you know, that existed I mean, they're still kind of there, but they're not as prevalent. So like before COVID, I would hear stuff like, oh, well, it's a good thing you have multiple kids. This way they can be friends with each other. Or I would take my kid to whatever sport they had chosen to do. And I would be told stuff like, oh, well, you're here because you need your kid for socialization. That's not why we're here. It's not why we were there at all. I would hear stuff like, It's too much. Am I concerned if they're going to make it into college? How do I know that I'm qualified to teach my kids? Stuff like that, which is pretty negative. And even now, there's still some negativity around it. People will say that, you know, homeschool kids don't fare as well as government educated kids. And I would say that's not what the research shows at all. The research actually shows quite the opposite. Since covid some of the stereotyping has reduced. Some of it is still there, but it has reduced some, in fact, some of the same people who had some not so nice comments to make before COVID actually called me <laughs> when the pandemic hit because they wanted help on homeschooling. And I was like, well, I'll help you and kind of give you some tips. But virtual schools not homeschooled, totally different but okay so the the
0: lines are blurred a little bit with some of that at this point hi friends are you wanting to homeschool but you just don't even know where to start if so i have got some exciting news to share with you did you know that i have a free workshop that will help you get started with homeschooling plus i'll give you valuable tips and insights to help guide you along the way i invite you to visit Hooked on Homeschool, where I'll teach you how to create an amazing homeschool experience right now. Take this first step towards the incredible journey of homeschooling by visiting hookedonhomeschool.com. And and homeschooling versus distant learning is two totally different things. I mean, it's two different mindsets, and it, it just looks so different. So all the people who did the distant learning or virtual learning over the pandemic that really struggled with that. You know, I always tell them, go ahead and give it another shot because you're still accountable to teachers and it's just a very different lifestyle. So you, since you're a professor, you obviously have children who were homeschooled. So you can actually have firsthand on on teaching a homeschool child versus a public school child. And do you ever notice, you know, after a few weeks, be like, ah, I know that child's homeschooled? Yeah, sometimes. So
1: I can say that some of, I have one student in particular that I'm thinking of. I did research with her. She worked in my lab. We did an honors thesis together. She was very bright. She could write like crazy. You know, I would say, here, read these articles and write a lit review. I hardly ever had to make revisions or ask her to make revisions to her work. And she did excellent. And she was homeschooled. So she was a student in my class. And I'm pretty open about who I am when I'm teaching, I let you know, I'm pretty open. I tell my class, no problem that I homeschool my own kids. So she came up to me after that first class to let me know that she was homeschooled. And we talked about her experience and, you know, she did dual enrollment too. And then she applied to do research in my lab. And she was wonderful. Other students, not other students, not so much. So, for instance, and I I had a class recently, you know, I give students like their schedule for the semester and there's assignments that are due and you can't turn work in late, you know, stuff like that. I had a student who was very talkative in class. So if we had a class discussion, he was he knew what we were talking about. He knew exactly what we were doing, but he wasn't doing so great in the class because he wasn't turning in his assignments. And so I asked him why aren't you turning these in? And he said that he just graduated from public school. That was his first college class. And he's not used to the teacher not telling him every day what he's supposed to be doing, and giving them class time to do it. And I was
0: like, yeah. So is that what they do? Do high school school teachers give them like reminders every day? I mean, I don't even know. Like, do they baby them? <laughs> I'm, I wonder if it varies, like,
1: from school to school. According to that student, that's what he was used to. The teacher's telling him, you know, today you're doing X, Y, Z, and we're going to do it in class. And he, he didn't know, like, he literally didn't know what to do because he wasn't getting that reminder. And then I saw two news articles. I think one was from Kansas where they've changed the grading scale for public school students now if a student like doesn't submit an assignment instead of getting a zero they get like a 40 percent or something i could send it to you (laughs) but i saw it and was like what like
0: how is this it's dumbing down our students so now when they actually go to do the overall reviews for the year of you know seeing where the american kids rank they're going to actually do better because they're almost giving them – what is that called when you give them extra help? You know, when someone – you go to take a test and so the highest grade is a 90, so everyone gets an extra 10 points. What is that called? Like a curve, I guess? For grading everybody on that, then everyone's going to look like they actually are doing better than they are, right? Right.
1: Absolutely. And it's horrible for those students who actually care, you know, and actually turn in their work because you can have a student who turned in everything on time and worked their butt off to get an A. And then you have the next student who didn't do so much, turned in a bunch of stuff late and ended up with an A. That's not, it doesn't seem like that's
0: fair. But in the long run, that person who worked their butt off, and deserved and got the grade will actually do better in life. And so that's the good news. Like, like, that's what's the problem with these kids coming out of college, just because they got a degree doesn't at all mean they know what they're doing. They know what they want to be. They know exactly where they're going. So that's, that's the hard part a lot with college, and the high school babying them. Uh, Do you remember, like, I remember when I was in elementary school, they would say, oh, when you get into middle school, they're not going to tolerate this. They're not going to tolerate that. And then when you're in middle school, they say, when you get into high school, you know, you got to make sure you're on your A game because they're not going to tolerate that. And then I remember sitting in high school and then them saying the same thing about college. When you get into college, not me specifically, but just as the teachers talking, when you get into college, you know, those teachers are not going to baby you. And it seems like you're just being babied your entire time. Like even college, these these children are 18, 19, 20 years old i mean they're still very young and teachers are still babying them and and they're not making them at all responsible and and really stepping outside of their comfort zone and growing as a human being
1: yeah they seem to struggle with just basic skills <laughs> like time management how to uh, prepare how to not procrastinate on stuff and then as far as writing sometimes the writing ability doesn't match what you would usually consider, you know, you know, to be like college level writing. And some of it's just basic, basic stuff. Like you capitalize the first word in a sentence. That's pretty basic. And you're
0: saying some of your students are not doing that. Yeah, some of them.
1: It's it's kind of sad because it's sad because to me, it, it just seems like our our public schools aren't really preparing students to go to college. And then once they get there, I mean, many of them struggle, you know, and I don't think that that's really fair for the student.
0: Right. And, and as a, when you homeschool, your child will actually bring you that essay and you go over it with them because my son will actually still do that. I'm like, really? Asher, you have to capitalize that. But if it's a teacher and she's just over it and doesn't care anymore because the kids are not doing it. You know, my sister was a middle school teacher and she literally, when everybody would get their paper, she would say, okay, everybody put your name that she taught sixth grade. Everybody put your name on the paper. And then she'd say it like three times. And then she would say, okay, everybody look to your left, look to your right. Does everyone have their name on their paper? And she said every single time that they, when they turned in their papers, there'd be someone with no name on their paper. And she's like, how does this even happen? And then the child wants the grade for that. And then the mother will call and say, you know, it's my child's, why can't you just give them credit? And there comes a point, you just end up doing that because you don't, you just don't care anymore. There's, there's so many obstacles that you have to go through. So when you're homeschooling, you actually get to help them with all those little nitty, itty, bitty, gritty things and really help them through those things and see it and correct it. Even if you don't think you can help them, you can, as parents, we have an innate ability to know a lot more than we think we do. And we can help them with a lot of things that just these little things that they should know and we know they should know and just help them do that. Give them the confidence, right? Because in school, I don't think they have the confidence to push forward. I
1: teach a freshman level class almost every semester. So these would be brand new college students, you know, straight out of high school. And then I also teach upper division or like junior, senior level courses that are specific to my field. So I teach
0: the whole thing. And so what have you found the biggest struggle? If someone's listening to this and actually thinks like public school is the way to go but they they want to homeschool but they're not sure but their kids are still in public school, what are some of the things that you see that you're like, "Oh, if these kids were homeschooled, they would not be having this issue." Time
1: management, skills and the ability to do some things independently. So when when you are a homeschooled student, especially as students get older, they start to do some learning independently. Not everything, but some things they can do on their own. Some college students seem to struggle with that. So in college, especially now with, you know, everything kind of being in online, everyone wants online and virtual, and that's wonderful. But that also means that, You need to follow the schedule and you need to be able to read the textbook, watch any videos or lectures that might be provided. You have to be able to kind of do some independent learning there. And a lot of students seem to struggle with that. And then time management skills, you know, so like if all of your assignments for that week are, are due on Friday you don't wait until Friday to start working on it. You start like on Monday and you do a little throughout the week, but some students aren't really prepared for that. And I think some of those skills are things that come a little easier to kids who are homeschooled, probably because for one, their core, everything for them is is individualized, um, like tailored to them. So like for my student, my kids, We always do uh, language arts and math. So reading, writing, and math, there's no wiggle room. I pick their curriculum for those subjects. And then I read all of their stuff and double check all of their stuff. But then other subjects, they can pick what they want. So we do science every year, but they can pick what science we do. We do a social studies every year, but they can pick what we're doing, whether it's history, whatever. Electives, they can pick. I don't pick it for them. So they end up developing uh, intrinsic motivation for their courses. They're able to identify what they're interested in much earlier than students who have been told you have to take these classes, whether you want to or not. So I think that helps them too, because when they get to college, they already know what they're interested in much probably earlier than kids who didn't have that, you know, flexibility. Some stuff that, you know, my kid um, was really into pre-veterinary medicine and she took several classes on out school for that. That was her electives that she picked. I have, I'm not, you know, well-versed <laughs> in pre-veterinary medicine, but she is. And that's something that she was interested in. And she took those classes on her own and she did well and she liked it. and She picked them, you know, and it's basically like, well, what do you want to do for this class, for this, you know, required class I have for you? And then it's my job as a parent to find resources for them to reach whatever goal, you know, that they've set for themselves. I don't know. I don't think that students who've been to public school all the way have been given that ability or freedom, you know, to develop those skills and know what they're interested in and they they aren't sure where to even find resources for what they want to learn if they had that as an option.
0: Yeah. And that's so true. I'll actually link OutSchool. We've used that a few times. It's you could, when we did it years and years ago, it was only live classes, but now they actually have all different kinds. So outschool.com, it's a really great supplement. It's, it's really good. And, and you have to pay for it. It's, it's can be pricey because it's, it's per week. You could pay $6 for a class. You could pay $12 for a class. So it just depends what you want. But it's so true. I think when a child follows their own passion, gifts, and their talents and what they're interested in, it just makes for a much, much better, well rounded child because they actually love to learn then. If you could share some three powerful tips, tricks, or hacks that you love regarding homeschool, what would that be?
1: I would say that homeschool is not public school at home. Don't try to recreate the public school environment, don't play school with your kids. You know how when we're little girls and I know I did this. I had this a chalkboard and I would line up my stuffed animals and you know I had books and I would play school and sometimes my grandfather was a very good sport and he'd pretend to be my student, you know. That's not what homeschool is. We don't play school like that with our kids. This is not public school. You don't have to follow the public school schedule. You you know daily schedule or academic schedule that they do. You can do school whenever you want and re- or don't at all. You could be an unschooler if you wanted and try to make sure that everything that your student does is based on their interests, right? So don't recreate public school. That would probably be one of my uh, main things.
0: And let me ask you a quick question about that. What What about if someone totally wants to do that, but their family is saying you are going to mess up your kids? What would you say to them? it's not your kids <laughs> like let's say it's grandparents right who are
1: concerned that you know it's it's not the best choice for their grandchild that's perfectly fine they can have that opinion but they also already had their opportunity to raise their own kids you know which is us and now it's our turn so i think that each family each you know us as parents we need to be able to kind of ignore like the naysayers, so to speak, who who have uh, biases or stereotypes or think negatively about homeschooling. A lot of t- a lot of it, I think, comes from they just don't know, right? Like they're 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 really ignorant of what homeschooling is and how we do things and the benefits of it because they haven't been exposed to it. So it's similar to like any other type of prejudice, really. You know, you develop bias and stereotypes throughout life and homeschoolers you know can experience that same type of thing. There are people who have a prejudice against us based on how we choose to parent our own kids. It's hard sometimes, you know, especially if you're friends with someone or if it's a family member. but there, there's a way to express that notion of you're making this choice in the best interests of your child. You can explain why, if you want, you can, you know, explain all the pros and cons of homeschooling and the benefits of it, you know, and disadvantages of, you know, government run education. But I know for me, after this whole time, I don't even bother. (laughs) I'm just, I'm like, we, this is what we've been doing this whole time. And I did at first, you know, I remember way back when people would, you know, oh, you must be very patient. I could never do that just comments like that. And it's like, you know, I did try to plead my case, so to speak, to convince them. And then over time, I was just like, whatever, you do what you need to for your kids. I'll do what I need to for mine. And we can either agree to disagree, or we can figure
0: out another solution. Yeah, I I love that comment when when they actually say, I could never homeschool, I don't have the patience. And I'm like, I had no patience when my son was in public school doing homework for him. Like, like I had no patience, but homeschooling, you don't need patience. And, and if you don't have any, it's still fine because you have no one to account to. So it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Cause I don't know if people just assume that we're just super gentle moms, you know, coddling our kids and whatever, but I'm not a very patient person <laughs> person. I'm, we're at home. You know, I'm in my home. I don't have to be patient. There's no rush. If, you know, if, if a kid gets frustrated, we can take a break. If I get frustrated, we can take a break and, and come back either later on or come back the next day and pick up where we left off. But I'm not super patient and I'm not super strict and I don't, you know, follow this very strict schedule.
0: I can't. There's too many of us. That is so good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think it's really helped a lot of people see a lot of different ways to homeschool, how to handle homeschooling, and some of the great ways that you're able to actually see public children going into college that there's not always, you know, that it's going to be public children are the best children, public school children are the best children. I mean, whoever thinks that that's just someone somewhere told them that. And so, you know, if you want to homeschool, there's nothing wrong with that. You can do it. There's so much resources. I know we didn't get into it, but you had started a a co-op and you know, there's so many resources, so many co-ops and so many things that you can do. So is there any uh, words of wisdom or any, any last things that you can share with us? The only thing I would add is that
1: if a parent wants to homeschool, they need to try to find a support group for them and they need to, you know, get in contact with other homeschool parents. These are independent homeschoolers because we talked about, you know, the mentality of virtual school versus independent homeschool being different. So if you're going to be an independent homeschooler, find a support group. Those support groups will help you. The parents, you know, will, will help you pick curriculum if that's what you want to do. You can talk about, you know, whatever your issues might be. Those groups, they meet in person. So there's your socialization Co-ops, field trips, all of those types of things, find a support group so that you have the support and that you make friends and that your fam, you know, your kids do as well. I think that's, yeah, I don't think that we would have, I don't know if we could really homeschool without having our support group.
0: Yeah. I think everybody needs that support group because if your mother does not want you homeschooling, when you have a bad day, you do not want to go to your mom and let them know that you are having a bad day. You will end up not homeschooling anymore. Thank you so much, Chris, being on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. Hi, friend. Before you go, I want to thank you for listening. And if you found this podcast helpful, I would truly be grateful if you could just take a moment and leave me a five-star review. Your review will help me improve and reach more listeners who could benefit from homeschooling. Until next time, keep exploring and discovering new ways to make your homeschooling a fun and enjoyable experience. Happy homeschooling!